You're listening to the Sunday morning service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Pamela Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. As you know, we had our ladies' uh, in-house retreat kind of thing and kickoff and stuff. And and Pastor Pamela did an amazing job yesterday. She she was anointed and on fire. And uh, uh, so... We were praying um, even before that, and so she's actually going to come and minister to you. She's just been anointed all week long and preaching to you, and, and I'm going to let her share, but I'm just blessed uh, with her, and I'm blessed for what all she does for Harvest Bible Church with worship and helping out, taking and leading our, our children's uh, area, getting all of the curriculum and getting everything together, and, and just everything she does for me. You know, I'm blessed. And I'm very proud of her, and I am super, super proud. And she's anointed uh, tremendously, and she's got a word from God for you today. Amen. Amen. So let's welcome Pastor Pamela and give her a big, that's right, come on up here. Hey, Amen. Thank you, everybody, for, I thought Jesus was coming. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> yes, here we go. <laughs> I've had so many dreams of the rapture, you know, and your human mind tries to, I think, conceptualize what the rapture might be. And so I start going up and then I hit the roof. I'm going, (laughs) I don't know if God's trying to tell me something. You need to pray through a little more, but, um, but anyway, um, but thank you for, for, uh, your appreciation and your flowers and the, what was that theme? I couldn't put my finger on it. Star Wars. Are you shaking your head at me like you're disappointed, huh? She didn't recognize Star Wars. It wasn't Star Wars. What was it? Superman. See, okay. All right. It was Superman. Yes, you are Superman. <laughs> I'm married Superman. He does change a lot. I mean, he does go into a booth and... One minute he looks like a pastor. The next minute he looks like, you know, Farmer Joe getting ready to go out and... Well, he doesn't really pull weeds, but he does everything else. But um, but he he is a me. He is what he is here and at home. So he's he's a blessing. But anyway, Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for the honor that I have this morning to speak to these beautiful people this morning. God, your people. This is your body, and I'm humbled. And so I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your heart, for them. I thank you for for what, Lord, you want to bring forth and what you want to speak to us this morning. God, I thank you that you love us so much. And, and Lord, I know that you're, you're very sensitive to everything that we're all walking through and going through. And, and so, God, you have a word for us this morning. And, and so, God, I just pray that every distraction right now would just be just brought under control, that every mind would just be brought under the authority of, the, of Jesus Christ right now. And that, Lord, that they would be, have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying this morning. That, God, you would cause us not only to hear, but to respond to the word that you have for us, God, that we might grow and that we might change and be more like you, we ask. How we love you, how we thank you for your word, which is life, your word, which is truth, your word, which is light that, that enlightens my future, your word that is powerful. God, thank you for your word that transforms us and renews us and revives us today, Father God. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Well, uh, yesterday, I, I will kind of pick off a little bit of what I did yesterday. I have actually two sermons here, so I'll put this one over here. I'm feeling a little led to go over here. <laughs> I'm pulling a Mark Butler, I guess. Pastor Mark Butler here. He comes up with two or three messages. No, you have like 13 pages, huh? Wow. I can't imagine that. It's, I'm telling you, it's hard work getting a message. Let me all just tell you right now. I mean, God bless you, Pastor Mark, because it takes a lot to really sit and focus and try to really hear what God has to say. Because I know we neither one take it lightly when we when we have to come speak before you, because you know why we're going to stand before God. And every word that we say is going to be brought up and we're going to be held accountable. And so, you know, what I say here, I take very serious and, um, and I really do pray and really do ask God. So, um, turn with me to the book of Revelation chapter one, the book of Revelation chapter one. And, um, I want to read to you, uh, out of this particular book, but I want to kind of preface it just a smidge here. You know, in the Bible, there was different times that the Gospels were written. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke were written first. And then many years had passed. And, um, and then God moved upon John. And John wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then the Book of Revelation. These were the last New Testament books to be written. And there's a significance, I really believe, to that why um, God moved upon John. Not that we didn't need another narrative of Jesus. We had Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But there's a reason, I believe, that God moved upon the apostle to bring forth this revelation and, and bring forth this. this. And, and, it, and, and we see, let's look in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 1. It says that this is the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. And he sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. And this is the the report of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, um, and I, I want to share this because we're going to look here in a second. I'm going to. I'm not going to read every every church in the Book of Revelation, but I want you to understand what was happening during the time when God moved upon him to bring forth the the Gospel of John and First and Second, Third John, and the Book of Revelation. What was happening in the church world that God found a necessity to move upon him? to bring forth the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, um, and, and, and so let's just kind of uh, preface this, but I, w- I want to read to you a quote from T. Austin Sparks. The, it's from the book, The School of Christ, one of my favorite books. He said this, he said that in a day when the true expression of God's thought in the midst of his people had been lost and God's people were out of immediate touch with divine thoughts, We see God's response to such a state of things to present his son anew into view. And so the very, the very thing that I want you to see that, and we're going to look at the state of the church at this time in these churches is that God's remedy when the church begins to get away from the thought and the purpose of God is to bring a fresh revelation of his son. And I think if there's ever a time that we need a fresh revelation of the sun again is right now. 
because, you know, I, I loved all the songs we did today. I love it because it's glorifying, you know, Jesus. You know, let me tell you about my Jesus. You know, his love is strong and his grace is free. You know, it's just, it, it's talking about this incredible Jesus. And I think sometimes that when we go through life, and especially what we've gone through in the last couple of years, we can become weary in well-doing, and we can become very, um, you know, uh, indifferent even to the things in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the God that we serve because we're surrounded by a world that's dying, and we're surrounded by a world of unbelief, and we're surrounded in a world by fear, and that's been so magnified right now, and that's increased, and just like Pastor said, all these bills that were just passed, come on, the world is not going to get better. And so we've got to find the solution, how to survive. And that solution is we've got to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. So I want to read to you. Now, these were actual seven churches that that actually existed. Right. And um, and so in the first century um, and I want you to see and again, I'm just going to kind of just briefly tell you the state of them. But I want you to kind of compare it to maybe to what's happening today. And, you know, I want you to think about, about, you know, we, we've seen a lot of people come up, you know, um, worship leaders and, and some pastors and some, um, you know, different, different leaders in the church that have renounced their faith in Christ publicly. And they've begun to make a declaration that they once believed, but now they don't believe. And, and that's so tragic, but the Bible does say that there's going to be a great falling away, right? And so, so again, we, we are never, we are never caught shocked by what's happening, but let me, let me start in, in them. And so first of all, I want to, I want to just see who Jesus is in, in the churches. So let's just start reading in again, chapter one, verse nine. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in the king and God's kingdom and the patient endurance, which Jesus calls us. For I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. Did you ever think that you would live in a time when you would be cancel cultured yourself for believing and preaching the word of God? Did you ever think you'd see a time when churches would be shut down? Verse 10, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit and suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast and it said, now we know this is Jesus and he says this, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. And when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands and standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the son of man. And he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest and his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Now I want you to kind of picture, remember, uh, and I think maybe England still does it. I don't know, but you know how the judges wore white wigs. It was the show like this, um, you know, part, uh, impartiality, I guess. I don't know. But here we see Jesus is, he is standing as a judge. And this is the description that we're seeing. Um, his hair was white as snow and his eyes were as the flames of fire, meaning he can penetrate through everything. His feet were polished bronze, refined in a furnace. Um, anytime the word bronze is brought forth, it's always talks about judgment. 
And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves, and he held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. What do you think that sharp two-edged sword is? The word of God. Amen. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead, but he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Now, I want you to begin to start seeing this picture of your Jesus this morning. This picture of Jesus. When we first saw Jesus, or when, when in, in the New Testament, we see Jesus was hanging on a cross. And a lot of churches, you can go into a lot of Catholic churches and different types of churches and you see Jesus is still hanging on the cross, but we know that he's not hanging on that cross anymore. We know that he came off that cross. He was buried. He was resurrected. But in the world's view, Jesus died very weak. And he died, you know, in, uh, in shame and, and, but Jesus is saying here, but I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys, meaning I have authority. I have the authority of death and the grave. Now, come on. I don't know what you've been afraid of these last two years, but my God holds the keys to death and the grave. And therefore, I don't have to be afraid of death because I know when I die, who has my life in his hands? And that's Jesus. Hallelujah. Write down what you have seen, verse 19, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. And this is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels or the messengers of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And then he begins to, he begins to talk about the description of each, of each one. And he begins with the church in Ephesus and, um, and the church of Ephesus, if you, if you just want to classify what was God's complaint against the church of Ephesus was this, that they lost their first love. And, and I challenge you, and I, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would challenge you this morning that do you have that first love that you felt when you met Jesus? I mean, I, I remember when I got saved, I was nine years old, but I remember it well. I, I remember just, you know, they say this, but it's true. I remember the grass was greener, the trees were prettier, the sky was more blue. I, there was just a difference in my life when Jesus became the Lord of my life. He became the lover of my soul. And in Ephesus, we find Jesus is, is, is speaking to them. And in, in, in uh, verse 2 says, I know all the things you do. I know how busy you are. You're a busy church serving me. There's a lot of churches today, busy, busy, busy serving God. He says, I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. Boy, I'll tell you, you know, we, 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 <laughs> we grew in the last two years knowing how to go online and, you know, how to, um, how to, you know, preach to empty chairs when you all had to be behind, you know, at home in your, in your houses. And, you know, we've had to endure, you've had to endure, you know, toilet paper running out. <laughs> Come on. So crazy. But here we find that this church was, was, was working hard for God. They were working hard for Jesus and, and God's commending that. He said, you don't tolerate evil people. 
You know, you've, you've examined the claims of, claims of those who say they're apostles, but they're not. You've discovered they're liars, and, you, and you've patiently suffered for me without quitting. There, it's a very, very strong and working hard church. But listen to what Jesus says. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now look how far you have fallen and turn back to me and do the works you did at first. For if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place from among the churches. Now we know that these churches, you know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm assuming they didn't repent because they didn't, they don't exist. And, um, but we, we find here that Jesus is saying, when you've lost your first love, you've got to go back to the first works. You know, it's kind of like dating, you know, what is the, how did you woo? You know, how did you woo your girlfriend? How did you woo your, you know, I could probably get Miss uh, Christina up here. She could give us some fresh, some fresh hot wooing. <laughs> Ah, I know he spoils you with lots of gifts that he does. And he better continue that because that's his first works. <laughs> but there's first things, there's, there's that first love. And, and so with Ephesus, again, there's that challenge. Have I left my first love? Have I stopped loving Christ like I used to? Have I stopped committing to serve him like I used to? Is, is, has he become just common, commonality? You know, and even in our marriages, you know, our spouses can be very, we just get used to them and they become common. And, and that's why a lot of marriages fall apart and you have to pursue your spouse. You got to pursue love. Love is a work. Love is not just a feeling. It's something I do and it's a choice that I make. And it's the same with our relationship relationship with Christ that I'm going to choose to love God and I'm going to choose to make the actions that back that love so that he knows that I love him. Now the church of Smyrna, um, if you, if you, again, if you just, um, talk about what they, what they were like is, is the church in Smyrna faced persecution. They were a church that, uh, you know, faced a lot of persecution. Matter of fact, this church is crazy because God even says, Jesus says that I know that you live in the city where Satan's throne is. I mean, that had to be a very evil city. And you talk about persecution, but you know, uh, I, I think about the time that you and I are living, we're under great persecution and it's going to get stronger and stronger because there's a, there's a line being, uh, there was a line that is drawn and those who stand for Christ, you know, are going to be ostracized on that side. And those who don't stand for Christ are all going to be on this side. And we know that the majority, which is so heartbreaking, but the Bible says that white is the gate that leads to destruction. And many there be that find it, but narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Find it tells me that that's a person who takes action. That's a person who pursues and goes after God. Not everybody's going to pursue God. And in, in, in Smyrna, they're, they're, so they're facing a lot of persecution, but God's word to them was that they needed to have endurance, to hold on to your beliefs during difficult times. What a message for you and I to hear today that God would say, I know you're facing difficult times. I know you're going through hardships. We've lost so many loved ones. You know, many have, have, have you in this room, you've lost loved ones who have died with, you know, uh, maybe from, from the pandemic or other reasons. And, and we've lost and we've gone through pain. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you've lost a relationship. But, but whatever 
whatever it is that you're going through, whatever difficult you're seeing that is happening in your life, the word to you this morning is do not let go of what you believe. Because your belief matters. What you believe is what will hold you. What you believe is what will sustain you. What you trust is what will keep you anchored. And, and so Jesus is saying, you're, you know, you, you're going to go through difficult times. You face persecution, but hold on to what you believe. And what's interesting is that some historical sources reveal that this church in Smyrna did not follow, now listen, the prevailing social and religious customs. Isn't that awesome? They weren't going with the crowd. And God said to them, so remain faithful in the trials. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, 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 a saying, and I'll just go to the message number two because I'm going to grab it from message number two. But there was, there's a saying called cancel culture, right? And cancel culture is not a new concept. You know, cancel culture, culture, I mean, we can, I can think about Daniel who was canceled by his culture, you know, uh, cancel culture, culture means this. It's a modern form, although it's really not modern. It's a modern form of ostracism in which someone is thrust out of the social or professional circles, whether it be online, social media, or in person. That's the modern version of what it means to be cancel cultured. You know, if you haven't been cancel cultured yet, you know, hang on. (laughs) Because if you stand for Jesus, and if you stand for his word, and they figure out, you know, that you're going to stand for him, you will be thrust out of the social and professional circles. But hold on to what you believe. It may be an exclusion from society, but I'll tell you, I would rather be on the Lord's side than on the side of the majority. Amen. Um, The church of Pergamos, uh, this church, if you, again, if you want to classify what it was, it was a compromising church, a compromising church. Jesus is telling them that they needed to stand for the truth, that they should not give in or tolerate false teaching in those who promote them. Boy, have we not seen, and are we not seen through a lot of congregations today? Again, you don't have to look too far to see that there has been a transition in in, in major religions, in major Christian churches, taking stands against what God's word it teaches and what God's word has taught us to believe. This is not the hour for you to change your belief system. And uh, as we see that as God judged this church, this compromising church for not standing for the truth, you and I will not fall, you know, far from that tree either. God is saying to us that we cannot compromise the truth of what God's word says. Now you may not like what Pastor Mark says. You may not like what comes across, but I'll tell you one thing. He will never give his opinion. I may give my opinion. So I, it's probably a good thing. I don't get up here and speak a lot, but, um, but only if you ask me, but, uh, you know, but it's the opinion of what God's word says, because again, we will stand before Christ, whether we preach the truth to you or not. And so if you want to know the truth, Harvest Bible Church is going to preach the truth of what God's word says without compromise. And we live in a state that that's going to be a challenge. Well, it's not going to be a challenge because we're going to still preach the truth. So um, because we are we, we believe in the truth because the truth will set you 
The truth will. Yeah, say it again. The truth will. Come on, we need the truth of God's word. And, and this is a prevalent theme. If you look at the gospel of John and you look at first and second, third John, that, that truth is a big message that John kept bringing up. Truth, truth, the way of truth, the message of truth, that truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. He is the truth. And so, you know, we don't want to be a church that compromises like this church that doesn't stand for the truth. We don't want to tolerate false teaching or false anything. We want everything to line up with the truth of what God's word says. You know, I I love it because let me just jump really quick. Uh, Stay there, but um, let me just read to you. I can quote it, but I want to, I can't quote all of it. So I want (laughs) to, let me just turn there. John, John says this again. Now, again, when, when the church had lost their, their focal point, they lost God's purpose. They lost, they lost why they were here. They got, you know, they got, uh, weary and, we're, and again, we're going to be, we, we see what's going on here. They lost their first love. They were going under persecution. They were full of compromise. God moves upon the heart of John and John writes the gospel of John. And the first verse, what does John say in the beginning was the word. And that word is capitalized. It's talking about Jesus in the beginning was the word and the word already existed and the word was with God and the word was God. So what that tells you is what God is saying is that Jesus encapsulates everything that this Bible is, that the word, just as the, as Jesus should be the final authority in your life, the word of God, he is the word of God should be the final authority in everything that you do in life. Because the Bible tells me how to be a good wife. It tells you how to be a good husband. It tells you how to live righteously in an ungodly world. It tells you how to take care of your children. And I always take what God's word says, and that becomes my final authority. And that's what Jesus was, or God was moving upon the heart of John when he said, in the beginning was the word. The word is my son. He already existed. He was in the beginning. He existed in the very beginning with God. God created created everything through him and nothing was created except through him for the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone and this light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never can never come on say it it can never extinguish it The darkness will never put out Jesus Christ. It will never destroy the church. The church will prevail because God, even Jesus said the gates of hell will come against us. But this church, we are going to stand. We are going to rise. We are going to be victorious. Why? Because we serve an almighty God. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ who was the victor. Hallelujah. Darkness will never extinguish it. Back at these churches, Thyatira, Thyatira was a corrupt church. They were going along with false teachings um, for appearance sake, it says. 
They didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to look like they were out of the social club. <laughs> they didn't want to look like they were out of the now word. They didn't want to look like they were, you know, not up to date. They, they brought in teaching, but it was corrupt. And, um, but they wanted to keep up their appearance sake. And so again, Jesus is telling this church that they shouldn't compromise the truth. Don't go back to what you've been called out of. And that's the message to you and I. I'm telling you, there is nothing back there that I ever want to go back to. And I thank God that he delivered me. He set me free. And I'm going forward in him. Amen. The church of Sardis. This one's a really sad one. Because the church of Sardis is known as the dead church. It's the dead church. Let me just read... um, Let me read what Jesus says about them. Chapter three, verse one. Now write the letter to the angel or the messenger of the church of Sardis. This is the message from the one who has the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. I mean, Jesus said this, that many will say unto me, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Haven't we cast out devils in your name? You know, haven't we done all this in your name? And Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. you. Is that not the scariest message to you as a Christian that I could be serving God and yet in my heart I can die in my relationship to him? That I could be so busy for him, but in my heart I've walked away because it became a job. It became something that I did. It didn't, it didn't come and wasn't born out of relationship. And here we we see that he says, I know all the things you do, that you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up and strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. And I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. So go back to what you heard and believed at first and hold to it firmly and repent and turn to me again. For if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly unexpected as a thief. And this should be a wake up call for every one of us because it's so easy to be lulled to sleep with life. It's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life and not realize that, God, my relationship with you has just become stale. It's become just, it's boring. Come on, it should never be boring. We don't serve a boring God. And it all goes back to, again, talks about your belief. Go back to what you've heard and believed at first. Now, Philadelphia is, is, a, is, a, is a great one, too, because it says that the, what it's encapsulated about is that it was small, but it was faithful. And I love that because even though it was a small church, it remained faithful. And that, you know, again, God is never, it never seems that God is always with the majority. God always is always working in the minority. There's always a small group. There's always one man that rises up. There's the, you know, um, Gideon's 300. There's, you know, the 12 spies, 10 came back with a bad report and two came back with faith in a, in a godly report. There's always that small, but I'm telling you, and even Harvest Bible Church, you know, maybe Harvest Bible Church, you've been here. 27 years and maybe you think you should have been you know a lot bigger by now it doesn't remain it doesn't matter because you've remained faithful and that's powerful the word and thank God for this church thank God for for my husband that has preached the word of God behind this pulpit for 27 years without compromise he remained faithful to the call he remained faithful to the word of God he taught you what he knows best and what he knows best is faith 
And if there's anything that you need in this hour is to know how to be a person of faith, to believe and trust in God. They were small, but they were faithful. Hallelujah. And then we get to that Laodicea church. Oh boy. Laodicea was lukewarm and laid back. They were indifferent. They did not see their true spiritual condition. They were complacent, they compromised, they were materialistic, and they had a stubborn independence. And this is what what Jesus says to them. In chapter 3, verse 15, I know all the things that you do. Isn't that interesting? God knows everything that we do. There's a good good thing about that, but there's also, boy, he knows everything I do. (laughs) All right. I know everything that you do, that you are neither hot on fire for me, but you're neither cold living out for the devil. You're not hot. You're not cold. Now, how many in this room love lukewarm coffee? Y'all want it hot or iced, (laughs) right? Hot coffee or ice. Well, it's the same with God. He says, but since you are lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. He says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And he says, but you say, but I'm rich. And I have everything that I want. I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, they were looking materialistically. They're looking on the outward appearance. And there's a, even there's a lot of churches today. I mean, they've got beautiful facilities. They've got huge buildings. They've got program after program after program. There's probably programs for your dogs even in their you know program list. I mean, they're just organized and, and they've got beautiful just, I mean, they, they've got the stage that would probably make Greg just, you know, his mouth water because it's just, you know, all all this stuff going on. But what God is saying, it has nothing to do with what you have on the outward. God's saying, I'm seeing what's inside and inside you're wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're you're spiritually blind and you're naked. He says, I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire and and buy white garments. And and here's the interesting thing. Let Let me jump down to verse 20. We use this a lot as a salvation message to lead people to Christ, but, but this isn't a salvation message. This is to the church. And I think it's a very sobering thought. Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. That means he wasn't even inside the church. He was outside the church. I mean, can you imagine having a church without Jesus? Yes, because we see it. We can see it. We can see a lot of churches out there that, that are not preaching the true truth of who Jesus Christ is. And if you're not preaching the truth of what Jesus reveals himself to be, you're preaching another God. You're preaching another type of God, another Jesus. And, and, and God is very jealous about who he is. He wants us to know who he is. And this Bible is very clear and, and very clearly tells us the kind of God that he is. But Jesus is standing outside the door going, hello, <laughs> I'm knocking. Let me in. I stand at the door and I knock. But if you'll hear my voice, oh, thank God there's hope. There's hope that I can still hear the voice of God. There's still hope today that I can hear the voice of God. And you're hearing the voice of God, every man and every woman in this room today. You're hearing the voice of God crying out to us again to wake up. 
to remember the things that you learned before. Don't become so modern. Don't become so delusioned with the world. Don't become so part of the world that you forgot from where that you came from. Don't forget the God that saved you, the God that delivered you, the God that pulled you out of a dump. Some of you came out of of deep, dark pits and God's blessed you and God's did great things in your life, but you forgot over here the God that delivered you. You forgot the pit that you came from and it's only Jesus Christ that same Jesus that you still serve that you need to remember hallelujah (laughs) I'm going sister and so and so I propose this thought and and what time is this supposed to end Terry okay (laughs) I did ask. See, that's nice of me to ask. I didn't just keep going because <laughs> I got two sermons. I'm still on sermon one, but we can go to sermon two. No, um, but you know, we've all been facing some really, some really difficult times and, and I don't want to make that light because, you know, um, I, you know, never in, in my lifetime and never probably in your lifetime either have we seen such a transition in the world as we are today. And I was sharing with the women yesterday that, you know, it would be one thing if it was in, the, in our nation and just America, but we're seeing transitions happen in Canada, in, you know, Australia. I mean, we're seeing New Zealand, we're seeing Africa, we're seeing Israel, we're seeing every nation of the world is being affected by what is coming across. But the great thing about this is that if you know what the Bible says, then you know that everything is lining up exactly as was prophesied and foretold everything. And, um, you know, and, and for me, it's exciting, you know, it's exciting in one sense, but in other sense, I I didn't realize that, Oh gosh, I'm, I might actually face persecution. I didn't really think about that, but you know, um, you know, let's take the whole vaccination thing. I know we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. The vaccination with your, uh, you, you believe in the vaccination or you don't believe in the vaccination. That's not the point. The point is, the point is, that's funny, huh? The point, get it? The point. Oh, my. R-E-R-R-R. Um, is that it, it violates your rights, right? It violates your rights. And we're seeing, we're seeing then the, this whole vaccination passport come out that, you know, and it's happening, I know, in San Francisco and Portland and different places that, you know, you can't go into certain restaurants, right? You're being ostracized. You're being left out. You're being separated because if you don't have the vaccination, then you can't enter into the restaurant. Now, all of that, you know, maybe to the world makes sense. And, and I'm sure in their minds, it does make sense. But when I look at the word of God and I see that there's coming a day in the book of Revelation that the Bible tells me that there's going to be a mark that a man and a woman will have to receive that they will not be able to buy or sell without that mark I start seeing whoa we are totally getting set up I'm not saying the vaccination is the mark of the beast that's not what I'm saying I'm saying it is definitely opening the door and it's in it's, it's it's the entire world. We are seeing, um, you know, the entire the world market. You know, every, everything's crashing. Government. I mean, again, if I go to the God's Word and I begin to look in there, I begin to see. Oh, wait, there is a man called the Antichrist that's going to rise up and have a one-world government. 
wow, I'm going to see that there's not going to be monetary anymore. It's going to be, you know, again, there's going to be some sort of mark. And I don't know what that is necessarily. But it's exciting in one sense because you see you are living in the Bible days. We are in the book of Revelation seeing things coming into place. But we also are in the book of Revelation where we got to be careful that we're not that church that's compromising. That we're not that church that's losing our first love. That we're not that church that's facing persecution. And because of persecution, I deny what I believe. No, we, we want to not be that church that's corrupt. We want to be the church of God in this hour. And Harvest Bible Church is going to be one of those churches that will stand forefront with our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, as our Redeemer, and as our soon coming King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I just I guess I'm going to stop right there because I got, I got more. <laughs> I'll just have to come back. <laughs> Amen. You know, I hope you're challenged. I was challenged. You know, I was telling the ladies that, um, you know, when I was preparing this, this word, you know, again, I, when I say I don't take it lightly, when I stand behind this pulpit, I do not take it lightly. I take it very serious because I love you and because I know he loves you. And I want to make, I want to make sure that I'm speaking truth to you. And I want to make sure that when you stand, because the Bible says that everybody in this room is going to stand before God someday. And the books are going to be opened. And everything the Bible says that we've ever done in this body, in this life, is going to be made known. And, and, and for those without Christ, I mean, I can't even imagine standing before God without an advocate. And all the things, and then I know there's things that you would think that you've done that nobody knows you've done, but it's been written in a book. Did you know you already have a, bibliog- a biography about you? Your biography is being written even as I speak. Matter of fact, this morning's going to be in your Bible, in, in your um, biography, because you're hearing the word of the Lord, and, the, and, and you'll be held accountable to what you're being, he- and so will I. We're going to be held accountable to what we do with the truth. You can't just hear the truth and not respond. God wants us to hear the truth and he wants us to make a response. And, and, and that one response we see in the church, it's not just for the world, but the church had to repent. And I think it wouldn't hurt for the church to have a good old repentance service and bring our, bring our, ourselves up here into this altar time and just have a heart to heart with God and say, God, I haven't been living right. I haven't made you first. I've had other loves before you. I have listened to the things of the world. I have allowed it to corrupt my mind. I have allowed it to corrupt my belief system. I haven't taken the word of God and made it my final authority. I have pushed you aside. I have made other things gods in my life. We all can all be guilty. And so I challenge you this morning to, you know, if you don't, you know, and, and, and I miss the old-fashioned altar. I've tried to talk my husband into, you know, creating the old-fashioned altar again. How many remember the old-fashioned altars? Brother Self? (laughs) Come on. 
We, and, and they were so nice back then. I, at least some of them were. They had cushion on it, so you could kneel with some cushion. But there's something about you responding to God's word. And, and, I, and so this morning, I'm just going gonna, gonna to do that. There is, there's plenty of space up here. You also have a chair. You can turn around. But can we just not take a few minutes to go back to our first love? To say, God, you're worth it. God, I've not put you first. God, I've allowed other things in. But God, today, I'm hearing you knock. And I'm hearing your voice. And God, I'm responding. And I'm making the right decision. I'm repenting of my sin. I'm repenting of my compromise. I'm repenting of it, God. Because I want to be right with you. When I stand before God on that day... And when my book is opened and they say, okay, here, here, here's Pamela, Pamela Butler's book. Let's look, let's read the last, let's go to the last chapter and let's see, let's read what the last chapter that, and, and that last chapter is going to be written the day that you die, right? The, the final entry is the day you die, your, your, your biography is done. I want it, I want it to be on there that, that she died in Christ, She died in Christ. That means that when I stand before God as my judge, that he's not going to see me in my sin. He's going to see me in Christ. And all my sins are going to be washed under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, we don't want to stand without our advocate, our redeemer. And and that was one thing I wanted to get to today is I want to show you. I want to show you Jesus. I want to show you more about your Jesus that you serve. I wanted you, I wanted to take you to the book of Hebrews and see the kind of Jesus that you serve, how powerful he is, what he's done for you. And so maybe you could do that on your own this week. Just begin to read the book of Hebrews and see this Jesus that you serve, that he's gone before you into the heavens. He's made a way through his blood that you can come with boldness and confidence before the throne of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Harvest Bible Church in Stockton, California. If you live in the area, we would love to have you join us at one of our services on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can check us out at harvestbibleonline.org for location and times. We hope to see you soon.